dedicated babies to the Lord today. What a beautiful, beautiful thing that is. And if you're not sensitive, if you never shed a tear, if you're not soft-hearted, so to speak, it's hard not to be when you pray for babies. When you pray for families and talking about the babies and talking about the kids. And like I said, when, when, when one of your kids gets touched by God, when one of your kids begins to throw up their hands or, or somebody else's kids, you just watch them. Every now and then, we have children's evangelists and turn this whole area over to a children's service on Sunday morning. And, 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 and yes, it's geared towards kids and kids up here crying and, and, and praying and praying through and such. And, and, and man, it, it, it's not only for the kids, but, but when adults see that, something softens their heart and God's spirit and presence moves upon, upon those situations as well. So it's never a waste of time when we do those things. But babies, there's, there's a growing process to all these babies. And the, uh, the two that we did today are, are, are not, not quote-unquote newborns. They're older than a couple few weeks old. They're, they're a couple few months, months old, right? And uh, uh, you've already seen some progression. And anybody that's had a kid or watched a kid, maybe, maybe someone in your family has a kid or something, and you, you, you've watched that progression to where, to where there was no recognition of, of anything around them until then they start recognizing things around them. And then there's, there's not much talk or, or what would have you out of their mouths other than the screaming and the crying. And then suddenly there's, there's babbling and, 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 and they, don't, they don't move. They they don't make movements and then suddenly they'll turn over and and, and then soon they'll crawl and 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 then walk and, and and then talk and at the beginning there's the the bottles or the the natural way or what what have you and then you trans uh, uh, progress on to the to the baby food and such and and then there's regular food and and as they grow they'll they'll eventually cook for themselves and and take care of of themselves and there's all this this process and this progression that takes place in the growth of a, a child when you're preparing preparing something that's going to be good if you're if you're cooking and and such you you often follow a recipe the the the, the cooks that are that are really good that are in the house probably aren't going by a recipe because they already know they've already perfected it and they know what goes into it they know the amount of time that it needs to to go in they know what what ingredients need to go and they follow the recipe that is in their their own head and you have all the ingredients uh, in order for it to be right and all of the contents right and the, have to be measured and it has to be mixed and, and and they have to be prepared and then it goes into the oven and it and it all comes together and it comes out as the final product you don't just hand someone a bowl with with four eggs and in the shells and a stick of butter and a box of mix and say here you go here's your brownies they don't do that. There's a, there's a process that, that is taken. There's, there's something that has to be done. They've got to be prepared. And when the process is complete, there's brownies and you can enjoy them. But there's a process in all of our lives that God follows. 
You're not grown spiritually the first time that you hear about Jesus Christ. You are not spiritually grown right after you come out of water in the baptisms of of water in the name of Jesus Christ. You're, You're not spiritually grown the first time you speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you that ability to speak. But you've begun the process in which you can build on. And God will build on. The Old Testament story that illustrates this so well, and we'll look at a New Testament story as well, the the seeming downward spiral away, away, away in Joseph's uh, life. Joseph, the patriarch, the son of of Jacob, the patriarch, uh, uh, name of Jacob changed to Israel, had 12 sons, Joseph the 11th, uh, the, the, the son of the wife whom he loved, Rachel, and 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 there, there, Joseph, seemingly on this downward spiral, drifting away from the dreams that God had given him. Brothers put him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. Taken down to Egypt. Lied upon while he was there. Thrown into prison. Away from the thought of those dreams ever being fulfilled. Even he, even he comes to his uh, very wits end and he finally while he's in prison he makes the statement he says can you please remember me only to be later forgotten and not remembered but then when he stands before his brothers some seven years uh, later he weeps and he cries the ones that seemingly put him into this dilemma he weeps and he cries and he says you meant it for evil But God meant it for good. God works all things together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. The scripture decrees in Genesis 39 and 21 that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. That means that he was with him in the pit. That means he was with him at Potiphar's house. That means uh, the Lord was with Joseph in prison. There was never a place uh, that Joseph was uh, that the Lord was not there. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you even to the ends uh, of the world. You ought to hold on to that. Take that promise and, and let it be sealed up in your heart and in your mind. Could we give the Lord a hand clap? What a roller coaster ride Joseph uh, was on. The humiliation of being thrown in a pit and dragged uh, to the slave block. Then the honor and acclaim that came to finding uh, favor in Potiphar's eyes, followed by being lied upon and then thrown into jail up and down, up and, and down. Then at last being trusted uh, with the very throne. Consider this uh, if Joseph had not been thrown in a pit, he would have never met the issue. 
Ishmaelites. If he'd never met the Ishmaelites, he'd never been sent to Egypt. And if he'd never been sent to Egypt, he'd never been in Potiphar's house. And if he'd never been in Potiphar's house, he'd never met Potiphar's wife. And if he'd never met Potiphar's wife, he'd never been thrown in prison. And if he'd never been thrown in prison, he would have never met the butler. He'd have never met the baker. And if he'd never met them, Pharaoh would have never heard of him. As we track his life, we've got to admit like Paul wrote centuries later, all things work together for the good. All things work together for the good. It was part of preparing Joseph. It was part of the process. It was the process that made him so valuable. Joseph in prison in the pit, brothers wanting to kill him and sell him into slavery. You saying these things are good? None of these things are good. None of those things in and of themselves are good. What I'm saying is, is that God was working them for his good. Your dilemma that you're going through right now, pain, suffering, no, those things are not good. Stress, anxiety, health crisis, war, none of those things are good. None of those things are good, but I'm saying that God is working it for the good. He'll work those things for the good. And what you don't see is that there's a process going on, and it's going to make you sweeter. It'll help you to, to let, if you'll let it, to, not to be so bitter, not to be so, so angry at times. You say, but that's what's making me bitter. The situation is making me bitter. Not if, you, if you'll let God work it for your good. It is a process. And at times it's painful. But you're going to be better if you will allow it. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. It's a process. Peter says, add to what you have. Add to what you have. Allow the process to work for you. Trust the process. He says, add to what you have. And 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, verse 5 says, and beside this, give all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. Did you hear that? Godliness wasn't the first thing inside of that. That's the wrong. He brought me an empty coffee cup. The process. <laughs> Peter says, add these things. Besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, add to your virtue knowledge, add to your knowledge temperance, and to your temperance patience, and to patience, what was that word? Godliness. That should be up on the screen. Godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness... Love. Godliness is not the first thing in that list. 
There's some other things that has to come into your life to begin the process in order for godliness to take part. Process takes faith first, then virtue, then knowledge, then temperance, patience, and then godliness. Some folks try to get people to godliness without any knowledge and without any temperance, without any patience. And they're as critical of others as they can be. You've got to have those other things in there before you can expect someone to be godly. You've got to give yourself to the process. And sure, there's growing pains. But I don't want to stop growing. I don't want to stop maturing in Christ. It takes a process. He's taken me through and it's making me better. He's got a plan for your life. And the process is getting you there. Sometimes folks don't trust in the process and they try to make their own process and they try to knock down walls on their own. They try to open up doors for their own self and it simply does not work that way. We want the product, but we don't want the process. Everybody loves the idea of the finished product, but nobody wants to go through the time or the process that it takes to get it finished. Let's take, a, let the process take its course. Trust the process. Jesus constrained his disciples to get on a ship. The perfect will of God led them into one of the worst storms that they ever been in. In the middle of their storm, Jesus showed up walking on the water. Jesus has a way of showing up right at the right time. He has a way of showing up right at the right time. In the middle of the storm, Jesus shows up walking on the water. And, and while they were toiling, Jesus was watching. As they were struggling, as they were scared to death, Jesus was watching. And had it not been for the storm, they would have never seen their own fear and they'd have never seen his great power over nature. When the storm passed, they were anchored. When the storm passed, they saw Jesus. When the storm passed, great deliverance came. Just before they entered into that ship to go to the other side, Jesus had just fed a multitude, 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with just a lad's lunch. Folks, a miracle meal hadn't helped the disciples' faith, but a storm did. They gave themselves to the process. I don't know why it is, but growth comes sometimes better in pressure. Exodus chapter 1, verse number 8 says, there arose up a new king over Egypt which knew not uh, Joseph the Joseph that we were just talking about and he said unto his people behold the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we verse 10 says come on let us deal wisely with them listen to this lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore, verse 11 says, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, uh, uh, Ramses and, and Python. And, and but, verse 12 says, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied 
and they grew. And we know that's a, a physical number that we're talking about. That Old Testament, literal. New Testament, spiritual. Old Testament, literal happenings. New Testament is spiritually applied. The more they afflicted them, the more they grew. The more that they put pressure on them. The more that they put turmoil upon them. The more they multiplied and they grew. The harder it got, the bigger they got. It was the process. And folks, it is the process. The harder it is, the more you will grow. We don't want that. We want the product, but not the process. We love the product, but we hate the process. We love the finished product, but hate the process to get it there. If you want to lose weight, if you want to get into shape, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen just because you mentally acknowledge, hey, this is a good thing. No, it takes effort. It takes you having to do something. You have to give yourself to the process, a process that includes changing your habits, a process that includes changing the way you eat, adding in some exercise of some sort. Trust the process. All of us, we've inherited uh, some stuff, uh, some bad relationships. We've inherited maybe bad family life, maybe bad society, and maybe people have been uh, less than nice, mean to us, or, or possibly degraded us. Uh, and maybe, just maybe, you just kind of laughed it off on the outside. Uh, but it goes into your spirit. Uh, it goes into your subconscious. Uh, and it starts to formulate all these ways that we react and that we we respond to things. That's why we constantly need a renewing and a refreshing, a wind of the Spirit to blow. Blow some of that stuff out. Blow some of that stuff off and get refreshed in the Holy Ghost. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. Part of the process. It's part of the process. Mark 16 and 16. He that believeth and, everybody say it together, and is baptized. He that believeth. Everybody say, and is baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's the start. We can't take you on this journey if you have not begun it. You've got to believe. You've got to repent. You've got to be baptized. We want to take you on a journey. But if you have not begun this journey, there's no way that we can take you on it. So if you've never been baptized in the saving name of Jesus, that's your next step. That's your next step. And as I said, you can do that today. It's not a hard thing. That's something that you can do. You can say, hey, I want to be baptized. I want to take that next step. Be in covenant together with Jesus. Put on Christ. Put on Christ. Old things passed away. Behold, all things are become New And I'm thankful for those that we're baptizing today and believing that maybe we can add to that number before the day is over. Mark chapter number 8, verse 23 through 26 says, And he, Jesus being the he there, took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon them, he asked if he saw anything. You see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see men as what? As trees walking. 
And this is kind of mesmerizing story here of, uh, of a miracle that, 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 that Jesus does and, and he doesn't do it. And he always does things for a purpose and for a reason. And, and he takes this man, he leads him out of town. Now, I'm not going to go into specifics here of why, but there are some things you need to, you need to get away from. Somebody say amen. When you come to God, when you give your life to Jesus, there are some things that you need to, you need to get back from and get, get away from and maybe separate yourself from. Somebody say amen. He led him out of town and put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw anything. And he said, I see men as trees walking. Verse 25 says, after he put his hand again upon his eyes, he made him look up and he was restored and he saw every man clearly. How many times did, did Jesus touch him in this miracle? Twice. And the first time, what took place? He saw some things, but did he see clearly? No. Because he saw men as trees walking. And then Jesus touched him again, put his hands upon him again and, and made him look up and he restored, uh, he was restored and saw every man clearly. Folks, listen, the battle intensifies because as we walk with God, he begins to show us uh, the deeply entrenched things and the intertwined things in, in each and every one of us. So when we come to God, we do not come to God and everything seem, seem to fall in place. Don't, don't ever let somebody say that, hey, when, once you come to God, everything in your life is just going to be rosy. There's not going to be any problems. There's not going to be any difficulty. Once you make a step and give your life to God, everything is going to be okay. And that's not... That's not the story because we still live in this world. We still have a life to live down here. And, and the rain cometh down on the just and the unjust alike. So just because we live for God does not mean that we won't have problems and we won't go through difficulties. Somebody say amen. And when we, when we want and we desire to get close to God, sometimes that, that battle intensifies. And, and because, as I said, there's some things that, that, that you know, you can't expect an individual that's been, that's been living 40 years and, and, and anger's controlled him all 40 years of his life. Or, or he's lived uh, 30 years and, and he's got a short fuse and he's quick to, to spout off and he's quick to lash out. Those things don't just go away all at once. They don't just kind of evaporate and just because you took a step that, that now suddenly everything is all right and everything is gone. No, some things are deeply entrenched and intertwined in us. And what happens here is, is Jesus starts exposing and little by little as we can receive it, his intention is not for us to, to get saved, but rather to just get saved. He does want all of us to be saved. He, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance somebody say amen, amen. but that's not his uh, finished product for you not just uh, salvation he wants to get you uh, conformed uh, into the image of Christ to where when someone else looks at you they don't see you they see a picture of Jesus 
conformed unto the image of Christ. So at conversion, listen to me, folks. At conversion, he snatches you out of darkness, puts you into the kingdom of God, into his marvelous light. And it's a supernatural act of God. The problem is, is that when we first come to him, he brings us out and that process of conforming you into his image has begun. But he places the responsibility on us to deal with some stuff that's in our lives. He'll shine light on something and step back and tell us now, you deal with that. You work on that. You clean that up. When Israel went into the promised land, he showed them idols. He showed them idol worshipers. He showed them idol altars. And he said, now you responsibility was on them you smash the idols you tear down apart their images you break down their altars I'm not doing it for you it's something you have to do I'm showing it to you but you have to deal with it Listen, the healing in Mark chapter 8 of that blind man that Jesus touched or prayed for twice could be looked at as a parallel of every believer's life. We all come into the world with a birth defect. We talked about that a few weeks ago. We're all born blind spiritually, spiritually born blind. And all the good that you try to do to make it better, to make you see spiritually, does not work. It takes divine intervention with Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. It is the only miracle that we read of that is done in stages. Every other miracle was instantaneous. It happened all at once. Even the lepers, though they were not touched, Jesus told them to go and show themselves to the priest. And as they went, healing took place. As they walked on the obedience to the word of Jesus, when obedience got involved, the healing came in. But this miracle is the only miracle recorded that is done in stages. So maybe, just maybe, it is a picture of each of us born blind and the light of the world comes into our life. We see light, but our vision is blurred. We see men as trees walking. We see light. We've got some vision, although it's not clear, it's blurred. And if we're not careful, listen to me. If you are not careful, you'll accept blurred vision as what Jesus wants for you. If you're not careful, you'll accept blurred vision as everything that he has for you. You could say, well, I'm a whole lot better than I used to be, and that would be true. But folks, God is not finished with you. We're still going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. He's still working on us. Somebody give him a hand clap. It is a process. 
miracle was done in stages, possibly a picture of our progression in the spiritual things. Acts chapter 12, verse 7 and 8, Simon Peter is in prison, and the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came upon him, and the first thing it says is that light uh, shone, light shone, and after light, then instruction. The angel said, arise uh, and get up, and when you respond in obedience and compliance to the instructions, uh, when he did what was said, the shackles fell off. Listen to me. The chains that were on his hands and were on his feet, when he responded to the instructions, they fell off. Being free isn't the whole issue because Peter is free from his shackles, but he's still in a prison. He needs to get out. He needs to get out. God gives him more instructions here. He says, gird up your cloak and and put on your sandals uh, and I'm going to set you free, uh, but you're going to dress yourself. I'm going to set you free completely, but there's responsibility that falls back on you. The Bible says that he put on his sandals, he put on his his cloak cloak or or his coat, and, and and then the prison gate opened. Some may have some stuff that has you locked up. You got stuff in your life that has you. Yeah, maybe the shackles fell off. You say, oh, but I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I've got the Holy Ghost. I spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave me utterance. That's the shackles falling off. But you're still in a prison cell. You're still behind prison doors. When Jesus raised Lazarus, he called him forth out of the grave, but he instructed the others to loose him and let him go. He experienced a miracle, resurrection power. Resurrection power brought Lazarus up out of the dead, but he still had the trappings of death. And you may have come in this house and you've received resurrection power. You've received the Holy Spirit, but you may be still walking around in grave clothes. That's why we don't isolate ourselves, but we encourage everyone to be a part of a small group we've got to help each other to get loosed we can't perform a miracle in our own power but being an encourager being a friend goes a long way in helping someone to get loosed from the trappings of their old life can't do it by herself. God will resurrect him, but he instructs uh, the others to loose him and let him go. So what do we do? We go, uh, we teach, uh, we baptize, uh, and we teach, uh, we witness, we declare God's word. God saves, uh, and we keep making disciples. We do that. Was the blind man greatly improved after the first touch of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Greatly improved. But his vision was still faulty. Was God's design to give him clear and, and, and focused vision or to leave his vision cloudy? Obviously, God wanted the best for him. Not just to get you out personally out of your sin, but to get sin out of you. Not just to see men as trees walking, but to see every man clearly. Not just to get you out of the world, but get you so changed and conformed that when God finished, Finishes you, you look just like Jesus. Lift your hands all across this place and say, Lord, work on me. Lord, work on me. The blind man in Mark 8 had vision, but his vision was faulty. 
His vision was not focused. His vision was not clear. There was still much blindness, better than we used to be, but lots of excess baggage. We, like this man, are progressing in our relationship with Jesus from total blindness to full clarity and vision. It is a true picture and representation of all Christians in their progress towards having clear vision and seeing the things of God clearly. Jesus always, folks, finishes what he starts. He always finishes what he starts. Israel thought that getting out of Egypt slavery was the issue. Just getting out of slavery, that was not the issue. It was the first step towards the issue. The issue was getting Israel into an intimate relationship with God. Getting them out of Egypt for God was easy. Getting Egypt out of them was a lifetime process getting out of the holds of satan and sin for god was easy but getting all those intertwined things out of our personality not so easy it takes time and it's a process we are in the process of seeing more clearly when you see something you never saw the situation doesn't change your focus was just clearer We're in the process of becoming. The Lord said, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. You are not that now, but when you follow him, he will alter you. And at an altar, God can make alterations. As you follow him, he will make you to become what you cannot be by yourself. frustration in the becoming stage because you're not where you want to be and you're not seeing as clearly maybe as you thought you would see and there's frustration and we're all in a process of being conformed to his image but often it takes a lifetime often it takes a lifetime and I didn't tell him to get me the cup of coffee but rather coffee preached a message before on what I called Kopi Luwak. What that is, is is a coffee, which is this stuff. Anybody know what it is? Raise your hand. Come on, I only got two. Not very good memories. You don't remember the message at all. Huh? Let me see your hand, huh? Who said they drink it? Who? Victor? Here? Kopi Luwak is a, is a coffee. And this, this isn't just a story. Look it up. Google it. That uh, it's actually called a civet. It's a little animal. It's not, not like a monkey. It's more like a... It's kind of a cat. Kind of a tree rat. <laughs> a cat would probably be close to what it looks like. And what it does is it goes up into the trees and such and it, it eats the coffee cherries. And this coffee is really, really expensive. And I, I've had it when I was overseas, drunk just a regular cup of it. But I also, also purchased this little bitty bit of it. And uh, what happens is the civet eats the coffee cherries. 
And then through digestion, secretes them out. And whoever, think about the packaging of this, this stuff. Talk about a job. <laughs> Put that on your resume. So they would actually have to get the digested coffee beans out of the excrement. That's, that's a fine word. And the thing that makes the coffee so good, or what they say is so good, did you guys like it? I liked it too. It's not as, not as harsh, not as acidic, smooth, bold flavor, imagine that. But not as harsh as what normal would be. Because what they say is the enzymes in the stomach and the intestines of that civet actually does something to that coffee bean and then when it's actually roasted and, and brewed it makes it a whole lot sweeter so initially it's not actually the specific type of coffee I guess it is but it's the process that it goes through that makes it what it is and this is the actual stuff guys each one of you, you know, you, you look at your, you look at your situation and some of you may feel like you've been chewed up and swallowed and digested. But in, in reality, the process of life has made you what you are. And what could make some bitter will make others better. Bitter from the situation, bitter from the hand that you were dealt, bitter from the cards that, that, that are laying in front of you. You can allow it to make you bitter or you can allow that process to get rid of some of the harsh things in your life, some of the harsh things in your spirit and actually allow you to become better. God wants us to be better. He wants us to be more like Him. He wants us to be conformed into His image. Folks, I want to be more like Him. So whatever process you're, you're, you're going through in your life right now, whatever difficulty you may be facing, know that when you come out on the other side, you're going to be better. You're going to be better. Trust the process. Give yourself to the process. Instead of resisting it, instead of, instead of being, you know, talking and being critical about it all, say, God, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I believe you're using it to help me to see clear and to focus clear.